0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly. Written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold.
1: Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever said or thought... I am so overwhelmed right now. Dictionary.com defines overwhelm as to cover or bury beneath a mass of something. And while we rarely find ourselves literally buried in something, we frequently find ourselves mentally buried in something. Maybe you've said or thought, I am so overwhelmed with laundry. I am so overwhelmed with my responsibilities at home and work. I am so overwhelmed with caring for my aging parents, caring for my toddler, the thoughts bombarding my mind. The list could go on and on. Today, my friend and fellow podcaster, Jen Yuren, joins us to talk about her personal experience with untangling overwhelm. She also talks about what pride has to do with it and where the surprise adoption of two children fits in to her story. Before we begin, I would love if you would come over and say hi on Instagram. I am at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber. It's where I hang out and share a bit of life behind the scenes along with podcast happenings. I love to connect with listeners in the DM, so please come over and say hello. Good afternoon, Jen, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Well, thanks for
2: having me, Amber.
1: Oh, it's like, well, you are my friend. It's great. I've had friends on the show recently, and I love it because it's, well, I do get distracted though, and I want to talk about friend things instead of what we're here to talk about.
2: Right. Yeah. We'll we'll stay professional.
1: (laughs) That's right. We'll we'll stay on track today for sure. And so with that said, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your family, and what you do on a day-to-day basis.
2: I am the host of a podcast myself called this mom knows. And Amber, you were actually my very first guest on that one. So it's fun to be on the other side of the microphone. Now, um, my husband and I have been married for, um, almost 27 years and we have five kids, three are biological and two were through a surprise adoption. And we recently moved from, um, the Chicagoland area to Northwest Indiana. And so we're we're in the middle of a lot of transition and settling and finding new things. We knew all of our, we had our community and our people yeah. and our go-to resources and that's all new now. Um, but day to day, I am um, doing everything from e-learning with my younger kids <laughs> when they have a snow day to homeschooling my middle schooler to parenting my adult children when they call with their emergencies. Um, But what my heart is, is to really help mompreneurs um, who, who want to be a mom, but still lean Mm -hmm. into the giftings that they have and, and express those through a business, um, an entrepreneurial outlet and help them find the systems, the tools, the resources, so that they can really use their energy in the right places and Mm -hmm. do both mom and entrepreneur well.
1: Well, and you do such a good job at that. I mean, you're my friend, but of course, you know that I pick your brain all the time. So I'm always like, Jen, will you help me with this? What do you think about this? And it's funny because I met with Mary a couple of weeks ago, which is a mutual friend of ours. And. She was saying, Oh yeah, I need to get back in touch with you. And I'm like, Yeah, that's that's who you need to have working for you because she can she can figure it out for you, girl. So And it's
2: fun. It's fun. And you know what? It's fun for whether you. It's,
1: <laughs> whether it's me or someone
2: else, it's just that outside perspective sometimes is all we need to, you know, move the log jam or or get things moving forward in a way that where we were stuck. So um it's fun being that outside perspective.
1: Well, and that's not exactly what we're talking about today, but it is what we're talking about because the reality is, is that you are a helper Mm -hmm. and sometimes being a helper can also cause you to get yourself in a bit of a mess because you're doing 95,000 things at one time because you like it, but you got to know, you know, where, where, where's the boundary, where is the no. And so, um, with that feeling, that uh, need to serve people, and not just need, but you enjoy it, yeah. tell us a little bit about the season of life when you just experienced extreme overwhelm, like what was going on, all of the things.
2: Yes. Well, I am a helper. I enjoy that. But when the scales are, are weighed at the side of I'm getting the benefit by doing the helping, it makes me feel good, or I feel a pride in being asked and saying, yes, that is where you get into trouble. So you need to, to balance, am I serving others through this helping, or am I serving myself through this helping? Mm -hmm. And I was in a season of, um, really, I think that's where I was finding my identity. So I said, yes, if you asked me to do something, yes, I can do that. I uh, That's great. I want to fill this role. I want to, and it was I, I, I. And so I said yes to all the things and I never said no to anything new, but I also didn't have something replace, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I said yes to something, I didn't remove something. And so I ended up in this position where I had just piled onto my plate. I had so many things that I had said I could do and each of them on their own, I could do, and I could do well, but doing all of them at the same time with different expectations, different deadlines, different, different people I was helping. Um, it really became a, um, a juggling game and I wasn't doing anything well. And I was letting things go at home things, important things like, you know, staying up on balancing all the, the accounts so that you can do your taxes when that comes due. Um, so things that had to happen, whether I did them or didn't do them, they were going to have to happen. And I just, I just was overwhelmed. And I found myself not sleeping well, not thinking about things clearly, um, just getting by by on the skin of my teeth with a lot of things. It was not fun to be me at that point.
1: Well, and how old were your kids at that point? Cause you didn't have your two youngest who were adopted. Right. Do you remember how old the other three were?
2: Yeah. So it would have been, um, well, by the end they were, um, 16, 14 and eight, but I had been doing this really since, um, since just before the baby had been born. So for eight years. So my, my older two were probably about eight and six when I started just going, I can do these things I can do these things. And so it was it was a not an overnight process of getting into that point of overwhelm mm-hmm. but um it was it was yeah half their lives they just knew their mom as frenzied and busy and tired. <laughs> oh
1: I mean, I didn't say yes to all the things and I felt like I was frenzied, busy, and tired. (laughs) Right. So I would have been in really big trouble. Um, But eventually you did move into this place where you were managing the overwhelm, but you still were really struggling with this strong sense of obligation. And I have a feeling a lot of people can really resonate with that. And the reason why I think that is because I hear women say it all the time but I feel like I should be doing that. Right. And so when did, or how did you kind of flesh that out? When did you get to the point where you realized, oh my gosh, I just feel obligated to do everything. And then what did you really do about it?
2: It was a slow coming to that point. I do remember a very clearly a point of pride where something happened and I went for crying out loud. I'm genuine. There's no reason I can't do this. And it was like, God went, boom, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we're going to correct that right now. And Mm. things started to really um, get harder after that. And really the thing that was the tipping point for me, because so often, isn't this the case? We, We don't come to our own conclusions. Something else has to happen, but it was our adoption of the babies. That was kind of part of the whole tipping point to say, I can't do it all, nor should I. I can't do it in my own strength and I have a different calling than doing. I am called to be, and um, Mm. I need to, to lean into that role as a mom and be the mom, which does include doing some things, but not act and do the things the mom's mom does without being that person Mm. to my family.
1: Yeah, well, and so during that time, like you say that God really kind of got a hold of you. Um, I mean, you'd been walking with Christ through this whole thing. Yes. And, and I think personally, uh, as believers, we can sometimes really get caught up in that. Well, they there's this need at church, so I'm going to fill it. Yeah. You know, how do you untangle that where I'm needed at church and I can fill all these roles, but... I cannot do this for my own health and for the health of my family.
2: Yeah. So now on this side of things, I've been able to really go, you need a filter. You need a filter through which to to put those things so that you can decide, Mm -hmm. is it your best? Yes. You need to become so practiced at saying no and reserved at Mm -hmm. saying yes, that when you say yes, there is a value there. And and that's a good thing because just because you can do it, doesn't mean there's not 10 or 15 other people who could do it. And by you saying, yes, if that is not what you're supposed to do, you're actually denying somebody else the opportunity to be a blessing or be blessed in the way that, um, that they could be. So you could really be actually, it can be selfish to say yes, if Mm. there's a need, if you're not the right one to fill it.
1: Well, and I think too, like when you, think about filling all the needs I have learned that if you're that person that always says yes you will get asked
2: to do everything (laughs) exactly so you're you're hurting yourself
1: (laughs) right it's like um wait a minute they just asked me to do x y and z but I'm already doing a b and c and then all of a sudden yeah you're saying yes to everything today's episode is sponsored by the 10-minute bible hour podcast The 10-Minute Bible Hour is a daily deep dive Bible podcast accessible to everyone. If you want to build consistent, thoughtful interaction with the Bible into your daily rhythm in a way that's fun and friendly and saturated with historical context, then the 10-Minute Bible Hour podcast is for you. This show is different. It works straight through entire books of the Bible, one little chunk at a time, and it does the whole thing in a way that's human and genuinely funny. The 10-Minute Bible Hour podcast is built to welcome new listeners at any time, so you can start from the beginning or jump in with the current episode. Christians from any background, as well as non-Christians who just want to understand the Bible and their Christian friends and family better, will love the show the 10-minute Bible hour podcast. It's the Bible without the sermon. You can find it at www.thetmbh.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. So you get to a point where you're kind of managing this overwhelm, but you're really still struggling with a sense of obligation, and then your world does get flipped upside down. Yes. And... (laughs) Along come these two little people. And so share the story of how they came into your life. Yeah. So
2: when I tell people we had a surprise adoption, they usually go, oh, so you were fostering and you just didn't realize you would adopt. I go, no, we didn't know we would ever be adding to our family. We weren't fostering. We were doing nothing. In fact, We had just taken a huge family vacation. um, And I was saying to my husband, things like, isn't this great? Like we were able to leave the kids at the hotel and go out for dinner. This is a foretaste of what's coming. I'm so excited for these years, not knowing that it would all change six (laughs) weeks later, you know, (laughs) but I was, I was leaving our homeschool co-op because I'm a connector by nature. People are always going, Hey, Jen, do you know somebody, do you know where? And so someone raced up to me, Hey, Jen you know, somebody who is on a wait list for a placement for adoption, right? I said, I do. And they said, I just found out about this little boy who, if he doesn't get a placement in the next Mm -hmm. week, he is going into foster care. And once you're in the system, that changes everything. Mm -hmm. And I just remember having what I call this, it was a holy moment, but it was like this warm chill went down my spine and I went, we found him a family. I was so excited. And so I went home, I called my friend and for a whole variety of legitimate reasons, she said, I'm going to have to say no. I mean, Uh. timeline, there was a whole bunch of reasons why she couldn't just say, yeah. And I was really shaken by that because Mm. I knew we had found him a family. (laughs) So... Um, I'm dense sometimes, right? But uh, got so no, I mean, I get that. I
1: mean, maybe I'm dense too, but I get that,
2: yeah. So, my husband calls on the way home, hey, I'm on my way home. How was your day? Well, and then I just you know verbally dump it all on him, and he patiently listens and he comes back with, What about us? What do you mean, (laughs) what about us? He goes, What about us? Could we adopt? I don't know. (laughs) So I (laughs) called and I found out that, yeah, it's private placements. So we didn't need to have had anything done at this point. So we, uh, we prayed about it. We didn't have long to pray about it, but we prayed about it. And we decided that we would say yes until God said no, we would just keep moving forward until he closed the door. And, um, so I started that morning not even dreaming that I'd ever have another child. And I went to bed that night with a picture and a name and going, we're going to have a fourth child in this family. Wow. And then the next morning we found out there's a baby sister and they don't want to separate them. And so my husband reminded me that this is such a long shot. It was never going to happen, but we would not separate them. And we would go until God closed the door. Well, two weeks after that, um, they moved in. And six months later, the adoption was finalized. So <laughs> this oh, long shot <laughs> became the fastest adoption that um, I've ever heard of. And so many of my yes. friends are like, "Start to finish, six and a half months, never yes. happened." So, well, and how
1: old were they when you when they came into your family?
2: They were eight months and seventeen months old. So they're only nine months apart. They're full siblings, but the baby was four months premature, so they should be thirteen months apart. Wow. Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. And so did that send you into another season of overwhelm?
2: It did two things for me. One, it gave me the most um, understandable reason to stop everything I was doing. So I just cleared my plate overnight. I can't do these things for you anymore. I have two children. (laughs) Um, So that was the gift for me personally in the overwhelm, but it did throw us into even more overwhelmed because wow. now my time was 100%, my energy more specifically was 100% around these children. And because there were two of them and there was two parents, we were both on a lot. We had to bond with them. We were both needing to be engaged, which meant that my older kids, we were suddenly emotionally and physically unavailable to them when they were used to us being there and they had to take on some, some roles. So it was, it was very hard for our family to do that, but it was through all of that, that God was able to work on my heart and talk to me because I was sitting there in the middle of the night, rocking a little boy and looking at him and going, you are fighting me. And I wish you knew, I wish you could understand. And God's going, yep. (laughs) And I just, all these things, as I sat there holding these children and doing these things where, you know, the Holy spirit would whisper and say, this is what I was trying to show you. Mm-hmm. But it also gave me a chance to look around and go, okay, what am I holding on tightly? What can't I do? What can I shift so that we can come in together as a family? And that's when I really started leaning into some systems that let us work our household work as a family and started to really alleviate that overwhelm. And I started with laundry because it was everywhere and it was constant and it was just, it was overwhelming me. So it was really through, <laughs> through this unexpected adoption, the surprise mm-hmm. that we, we just were not prepared for. Um, we had to learn a lot of things fast, but it was through that, that God was able to speak to my heart and then help me see what I needed to do to shift things. So yeah. I wasn't always doing, but I could be there, be the mom for my family.
1: Well, so you say you started started with laundry. Like, what did yeah. you do?
2: So I realized, so to back up a few, probably about, I don't know, 14 years before that, I had worked as a professional organizer. And so I would go into people's homes and I would help them create solutions for their, their challenges. And so I just sat there one day as I'm holding the sleeping baby going if I were my client, what would I say to myself? And so I just started looking at it and going, well, laundry was everywhere. Um, Our washer and dryer were on the second floor. We were living like day, the whole day we were on the main floor with these babies. And so dirty clothes were piling up in places. And so I just started with, okay, how can we, how can we get this upstairs? So we put a basket on the stairs, a a holding place for laundry so that it had a place to go on the main floor. But then every trip upstairs, we took it out and we put it into the the real hamper. Um, I changed the hampers we were using because we were now doing laundry so much more frequently before the babies. It was just a big, big hamper, dump it on the floor, sort into piles. Well, now, you know, you've got, they leak during the night. You're doing bedding. You're like, well, let me throw in some of the colors. But if it's not pre sorted, it's harder to do. So I went to um, hampers mm-hmm. that were sorted so that I could just grab, grab and add and and maximize. You know what I was doing. We changed the day I did laundry. We changed. You know, just a lot. We added extra hampers so that we had them in each bedroom instead of just in one area because they were filling faster. And it was just these little changes that played into our natural patterns, where we were doing things, where we went, you know, how, how we naturally did things by playing off of what we were already doing. I was able to get it so that now laundry happened regularly, consistently, it was folded, it was put away and it was no longer piled up around us. And then people weren't saying I need clean clothes. Where's this? Where's that? Mm -hmm. Because it was done by automating it. I put that in air quotes because of course there's still some effort, but by having these patterns and and leaning into this very simple system, it took a stress off of everybody. Nobody else realized how stressful this one thing was. And so then we did it again with paper. We did it with meal planning, but then the beauty was we've now moved twice since they joined us, but none of these systems did we ever have to start over. We just tweaked them for our new environment. And that meant that we jumped back into real life a whole lot faster with these changes and transitions.
1: See, that's so helpful, even for me. And I've told you stuff like this before, but which makes me want to talk to you about paper, but that <laughs> we won't on the podcast. <laughs> All the moms listening are going, no, please talk that's about right. paper. <laughs> if you saw my desk, you would know I need to talk about paper. But... um I remember at the beginning of the school year for us, like I was just dying. Like I was miserable. I was mad. Why do I have all three of these kids at home homeschooling? And finally, I just took a deep breath and was like, you have got to start daily chores. All of your kids are old enough to do daily chores. And I just happened to be in a conversation with a good friend who kind of shared a little bit about what she does. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Put a piece of paper. I mean, this is super simple. Put a piece mm-hmm. of paper on the wall. My kids have two things every day that they have to do before they get showtime. And I can't believe even just that little mm-hmm. amount of stuff, the change it has made in my brain to know like, okay, the family room is gonna be vacuumed. This is gonna be yeah. dusted on whatever. So it is simple little things like that. But why do you think that we can't really get from A to Z on our own so often?
2: Well, I think sometimes it's just because we're moms and so we're nurturers at heart and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's different in their personality and how it comes out, but it's that word should, you know, I should be able to do this. I should be doing Mm -hmm. this for them. Um, You can hop into a group and talk about laundry. And it's interesting because you'll hear some moms go, I only have them 18 years. I figure I have 18 (laughs) years to do it for them. And then you hear other people going, they're out of here in 18 years. And if they're not ready to do it on their own, I have failed as a mom. And so you've got these, these opposing views Mm. and neither one is right or wrong there's pros and cons to both of them um but it's that sense that idea of what should i be doing and so we often end up holding more onto ourselves as moms to do for our family than what we really need to and we become then a bottleneck when we don't want to be so then when it's something like um you know hey mom can i have my friends over tonight well i haven't cleaned the family room so no mm-hmm now you're the bad guy for the no because you didn't clean the family room when it could be well is the family room clean you know how do we do these things you know if we're maintaining if we're picking up every night then it's you know hey do a quick vacuum and sure you can have them over or vacuum when they leave because you're going to make a mess you know it it shifts it from us being the bottleneck to everyone carrying part of mm-hmm. the responsibility so that it's no longer a burden to anybody But it's in that transition that I think sometimes we feel guilty as moms. And so Mm. we just do it ourselves, or we say it's just easier to do it myself than to teach them. And you're like, well, today it is. But when you do it again next week and the week after and the week after and the week after and the week after, wouldn't it be easier
1: to teach them?
2: (laughs) So we don't always look at the bigger picture either. Sometimes we just look today.
1: (laughs) oh, And I appreciate that because I'm so guilty of that. And you're right. Like, even though I know, I think a lot of moms in our heads, we know that if we just put in the work now, our life is going to be easier. But still, it's really an obstacle to overcome that. And I have a friend um, here local in Raleigh, Tara Boone, that does a great job with her boys. I mean, Mm -hmm you know, like they can all, they know how to empty the dishwasher already. And we're talking all three of them are younger than my kids. Yeah. Um, But there's a lot of things and it's like, oh yeah, it really is just repetition. Like kids really will do it. And Mm -hmm. it just makes you a happier mama.
2: And it's, it's also knowing what is the important thing and where can I be flexible? And so if it's like this dishwasher needs to be loaded and run every night after dinner, That's where we have to be very firm, but we can be flexible on, you know, as long as you are not nesting the bowls and they can all get clean, I'm not going to nitpick on how you choose to do it. And it's in that freedom, that flexibility to have a little bit of freedom and autonomy that um, it gets done because Mm -hmm. you're kind of letting go and you're letting them learn. But it's also sometimes where we find, you know, they saw that differently than me and they came up with a better way to do Mm -hmm. it. But sometimes, you know, this is where I hear a lot of moms go, well, it's my way or the highway. Like, this is the right way. And you're like, well, maybe (laughs) for you, but not necessarily for your children. Well, and I
1: appreciate that, too, because that control, uh, I sometimes find myself just needing to walk away and let them do it. Like, don't, if it bothers you that much, sometimes you may need to just walk away and let them do it. Like Mm -hmm. believe that, um, if there's still a piece of fuzz on the counter after they've dusted that, uh, it's better that they're being trained. Eventually they'll get better and better at it. Right. Yeah.
2: And eventually you can point that out, but don't lead with you missed a spot. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) I'm the worst. I'm the worst.
0: And browse all of our free resources and low-cost bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org
1: okay so tell me this though the the kids are at home and for those people i'm assuming that both well probably not the baby had reactive attachment disorder is that correct
2: nothing has been diagnosed officially um definitely trauma lots of trauma Um, but yeah, we've never had an official diagnosis. Um, so we've never called it that or done anything with that.
1: So would you say that during the, the first several months that they were with you and the older kids were struggling, like how long did it really take you before you said like, okay, we are doing more harm than good here in the sense of like, everybody's feeling nuts. Um, Mm -hmm. and we've got to step in and make some changes. Do you remember about how long it was?
2: Well, the first thing I do remember is the transition from this child to my son. You know, I remember at first because, you know, it was, it was somebody else's child that I'm now taking into my home. And so I did not ever experience, and I don't know if it's because it was a surprise or why, but I never had that. Oh, you are meant to be my child. Mm, I knew we were, we were called to be obedient in this adoption, um, but I never had this instant maternal love, but I remember, I remember rocking our son and he was the harder one to attach to because he was older That's right. And because mm-hmm. he remembered That's the right. family he'd been with yep. who are amazing. And they have stayed involved as grandparents for all five of our children. They're like, I we want to stay as his grandpa and I, grandma and grandpa. And I'm like, well, I have five kids. They're like, great. We have five grandkids. So it's the, you know, be- it's they- the greatest story. It's, it's so, it's such a blessing, but it was hard because we had to say to them, we can't really see you for six months. You know, we've got, he needs to know um, that this is here. So that was really the first thing was that transition from this child to my son. And then we had to really work through then helping our older kids now bond with, and the babies bond with our older kids, because once they were well established that we were mom and dad, then we could kind of expand into them and other people. But I will be honest, we, we are aware that there's a lot of work that we've needed to do as the family. And so we got into an adoption support group that gave us some tools, but it's been five and a half years and we are just now finally, and part of it's because of all this transition we've had in our lives over the last few years, but we are just now. Um, getting into uh, family counseling where we can really get to some of the root causes and things before it's too, too late, especially for the littles. But um, Mm. even with our, our older kids who had some challenges from it, who, who did great. And this is the thing. It was a good thing that didn't mean it wasn't hard and it didn't have some repercussions. I remember being in one online support group And I said, when I see what we lost through this process and somebody said, lost, what did you possibly lose? You gained a child. And I went through the list of the things that our family lost and that we were grieving. Mm -hmm. And they said, never once considered that side of the story. Mm. So just because it's good, doesn't mean it's not hard or traumatic or leaves some damage in its wake, but it was right. And so we, we went forward and we Mm. embraced it.
1: I love that because I've been talking recently, a friend of mine, Cindy, she lost or her, I mean, her mom passed away, she'd been really ill. But at the same time that her mom passed away, her daughter was supposed to be having this gender reveal party. Oh. And just in the same, like literally 24 hour period. And the daughter had said, well, mom, I don't really feel like we should do that. And Cindy, I just love, she was like, no, absolutely. We're going to do it because this is life. Like joy mm. and grief live yeah. together. yes. And it's true, good and hard. They live together, celebration mm. and sadness. They exist together, right? Like right. all of these things, why is it that we have to like, don't be happy if you're sad? Well, that, that I mean- <laughs> no because you can have someone graduating from college and a really sick child with cancer you know i mean you can have both of those yeah and so that's a really beautiful thing to just point out you can be falling in love with children and still see that your older kids lives are very much different yeah so tell me though now as i mean you have had (laughs) Everybody else doesn't know that the move. I mean, just crazy because you've got one graduating call and you get all kinds of things going on. Yes. So your life is still very, very full. Yes. I know overwhelm happens now. Like what Mm -hmm. is that initial response? You know, what are those first few things that you do to try to get everything back to a state of just calmness?
2: Right. Well, I start to recognize it a whole lot faster Mm -hmm. uh, for starters. I recognize now that if I am there's a difference between cleaning out the utensil drawer because you notice that it's got crumbs and it's probably due, and cleaning out the utensil drawer and stacking the forks perfectly because nobody ever leaves them that way. That is when overwhelm is present. (laughs) And so when I see myself, I may have
1: said that before, friends, I know
2: I'm moving in for a month or two. I need you. (laughs) Um, So I see it a lot sooner, but I've also been able to have the conversations with my family to say, again, it's where do we have to be firm and where do we have to be flexible? I've had to learn to be flexible in some areas that I'd love to see us firm on. Like I would love it if we vacuumed everything twice a day, that would be lovely. Mm -hmm. I've had to learn once a week is really a good thing. And they've had to learn. Okay. So, um, we've gotta be firm on coats get hung up. They don't get dropped on the floor, you know, people can trip. So we just sort of talk about these things in general and that's helpful. But I've also learned that the more you have, the um, more you have to manage and the easier it is to get overwhelmed. And so we've also gone through a process over the last um, three years, really, of simplifying, of paring down, not becoming minimalist because there's something very stark and cold feeling about that to me, but going, do I need this? Um, mm-hmm. and do I need this now? I have things in storage that I don't need now, but I don't want to get rid of them. You know, kids handprints from the, when they were little, um, I'm not displaying those now because we're in a tiny house. Um, mm-hmm. well, it's not technically, it's a small house. It's 960 square feet. So 450 is a tiny house but well, it's a small house a <laughs> so a small I don't, house
1: with like five people living in right, it right <laughs> right
2: Yes we did have one night over Thanksgiving where there were 10 of us sleeping here and it was it was a little packed but <laughs> but I've had to learn you know what do I need now what do I need later and what do I not need at all or I can replace later and so in in doing that and helping my kids do that with their toys um it's just made it a whole lot easier to keep things mm. picked up to keep things, um, simple and it gives space for relationship and spontaneity because we're not weighed down now by the things that we have to do.
1: Yeah. You don't spend so much of your time taking care of things instead of interacting with each other. That's a good word for me for sure. (laughs) So how would you encourage women who right now they're listening to you and they're thinking, I'm even overwhelmed just listening to you because I don't even know where to start.
2: Yeah. Well, a few things. You did not get to this point overnight. You will not get out of it overnight. It may take you eight months, 18 months, but the reality is if you do nothing about it today in eight months or 18 months, it will be no different. Mm -hmm. But if you do one thing today, it will be better. And when you get that one thing, down, then you can do another thing. So it might be that you're like, I just need to make sure that the dishes are out of the sink and in the dishwasher. And if that's the one thing that you have to work on and you can work on that with your family, depending on their ages, um, work on that one thing. And then this is the thing we always look for new routines but a routine is just a practiced system. And when it's new to us, it's not yet routine. So you need to give yourself space and grace to practice it and allow it to become routine. Don't try it for two days and say it didn't work because it's new and clunky and it takes some some thought. Give it two weeks, give it however long you need to go. Ah, yes, now I'm doing this. Now it's become routine. Mm. So start small, but start because That's where you get the big results is by doing one small thing at a time.
1: Yeah. Well, I want to close with this. Um, Talking to the Christian woman uh, who, I mean, this goes right in with overwhelm and organization and all of it. The woman who is just constantly saying yes. Yeah. What would you say to her?
2: Well, I'd say, what are you covering up? or what are you afraid of will come to light? If you're not busy, what is it about being still that scares you? (laughs) What are you afraid God might ask of you, what he might show to you? Um, I think those are, those are some of the things um, I forget where, who said it or where, but, you know, the best way to keep a Christian ineffective is to keep them busy. Mm. And it, It's not just keeping us ineffective from sharing the gospel with other people. It's also keeping us ineffective in growing in our own spiritual walk and maturing. And um, so being busy is just something I think you have to ask, what am I afraid of? Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. What am I hiding from? Um, I'm not a counselor, so I don't know the right questions, but usually we're filling a void or covering something up. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. or And also that people pleasing type thing. Sometimes we just are straight up people pleasers and too fearful that, um, to say no. So, right. right. Well, people, someone maybe wants to connect with you, listen yeah. to this mom knows where can they find you?
2: Yeah. So my website is this mom and, uh, you can find my podcast at this mom slash podcast singular. Um, and there is also a great resource to help you start to figure out how to create a system. Um, this mom knows.com slash system. There's a, an opt-in that starts to lay out for you how to do it. If you're like, I just don't even know where to start.
1: That's right. And take advantage of it. Friends. I'll make sure that I put it in this show notes and girl, you know, I love and appreciate you. Mm. And so thank you for being here today.
2: Well, the feeling is highly mutual, and I'm so honored um, that you've
1: you've included me on your podcast. If today's conversation resonated with you, not only do I encourage you to come say hello to me on Instagram at GraceEnoughPodcast underscore Amber, but connect with Jen. You can find her at This Mom Knows Podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast.